democracy entails people who run their business as well being forced to run their businesses poorly by people who can't run businesses at all. Welcome to Keith Knight, Don't Tread on Anyone and the Libertarian Institute. Today we... <laughs> Today we have Patrick of Disenthrall. Check out Thank all you. his platforms, BitChute, Odyssey. All of these will be in the uh, description below at disenthrall.me forward slash platforms. Uh, Patrick, uh, where is the best place to uh, find uh, videos and your podcast? Odyssey.com. That's O-D-Y-S-E-E.com. We have uh, all of our channels there, and they're all linked on that URL you just gave. It is a pleasure to talk to you again. I always look forward to these. Well, brother, thank you for coming on. So today we have Richard Wolf uh, enlightening us with uh, a uh, an alternative to uh, the current system. Current system, a lot of negative things. He has a solution which, much like everything else they sell us on, just has benefits. Healthcare should be free. Um, the, the fire department should be free. There's no downside. So it's really nice of him to uh, show this to us. Uh, Patrick, uh, start the video whenever you're ready, and please stop it whenever uh, you'd like. Uh, I'm sure you and I will have uh, the same spots to uh, complain in. All right, here we go. This is Richard Wolf with another Econo Minute. I want to talk to you briefly about economics, democracy, and the way we do business. I want to make a simple point. If you believe in democracy. Let me stop you right there. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the first thing that I want to point out, because this is going to come up again later in this very short video, is that we are conflating governance of a coercive institution called government, which in, in, in terms of the way humans can associate, it should be considered like the, the half stupid a uh, weird guy from up the road. Like it's the worst way to associate with people on the list of ways to associate with people where he's going to compare democracy to how a company is run. Now, my defense in this video is going to be of a free market capitalism, certainly not anything that is in bed with that coercive institution. Um, and I don't appreciate the, the conflation of the two democracy, which is a method of, coercive governance and uh, corporations, which is just sort of self-governing your own resources. Just wanted to start there with that note. Well, that's the great equivocation trick. They say, you like democracy, people being involved in things. So, and that's what government is. Okay, that, f first of all, that's wrong. What makes government unique is it claims the right to rule uh, people who it hasn't contracted with in a geographical area. And second of all, I don't know that that's inherently a good thing. Everyone being involved in the voting process. I mean, what percentage of people were involved in uh, writing Seinfeld? a microscopic amount, but it was the greatest thing ever and were able to enjoy uh, things like Seinfeld. What percentage of people were involved in making this excellent computer that has lasted me years and I enjoy so much? A very microscopic amount, uh, almost a, a, a voluntary oligarchy, as he would call it, but there's nothing wrong with this sort of uh, specialization. So yes, the equivocation of people voluntarily getting together and voting as a mechanism of decision-making versus using it as a tool of, let's say, a lynch mob or something like that, well, those involve initiating violence. So that totally different, excellent point. As I suspect most of us do, 
then you know it means basically that if you are affected by a decision, you have the right to participate in it. Oh, let me stop you right there. <laughs> This is going to be a long. I disagree with like every single thing that comes out of this guy's mouth. (laughs) Do you want to take this one first? No, no, please go. So I think that might be the worst description of democracy that I've ever heard. Like, just, just to be frank, think about what that means. If you're affected by a decision, you have the right to participate in it. Does that mean because... Uh, 50 years from now, my kid might interact with you differently based on how I parent today, that literally everyone around me has the right to participate in the parenting of my children. Just for one example, but I can think of a billion, that is absurd. That is nonsense. Just be, you are, you affect the people around you all the time. The thing that's important to consider when you're affecting people is their consent and the property ownership involved, which, you know, is a core issue with this guy. What do you have to say? So as far as uh, getting the consent of things that affect me, uh, maybe I was absent the day we took a vote on whether or not he should be allowed to make this video. It looks like he just (laughs) made this video and just decided on his selfish own self to engage in something without putting it up to a vote and making sure it was in our greatest interest. Of course not. This is so beyond ridiculous. Everything you do. Um, uh, uh, Honey, I I know you're saying you want to break up with me, but I get a vote in this. (laughs) And, uh, and, uh, because you have done a number of things, you're actually a felon and you don't get any votes. So you're, you're in big trouble now. Well, the, the, the fact that something affects you, I mean, one of the biggest things that uh, affects me is uh, the number of people who, wa- who choose to allocate their scarce time, resources and money to watching other people. That negatively affects me. That doesn't mean I have the right to forcibly stop these people from making uh, mutually beneficial voluntary exchanges. So he's uh, not differentiating between what you have a right to not engage in and something that just affects you. If I stop hanging out with the people of the Disenthrall channel and I only hang out with people of the Liberty Weekly channel, Patrick will be affected. If you're not affected, please don't say anything. Just assume that <laughs> Just assume that that's an example. Um, so yes, yeah, you might be affected when people stop hanging out with you. That doesn't mean they have a right to vote you to forcibly stop you from engaging in those things. Blockbuster was affected by people making a lot of people making a decision and it didn't have to be up to a vote. It's just voluntary uh, decision making. So um, this is his premise. And since his premise is wrong, basically everything that uh, follows is also wrong. Yeah, but it's still going to be fun to, you know, have some popcorn and watch it and, and uh, pick it apart. So it, I, I loved your original example. And you were saying, look, he's making this video. He, I didn't get a vote and it's definitely affecting me because like I'm trying to create a world that's better for my children and he is actively working to create a world that I think is worse for my children and uh, I want I demand a say because he's affecting and and that would also mean that anytime you make a post on social media and you get ratioed, you know, when you get more disapproval than approval, more thumbs down type activity than thumbs up, that that is the collective telling you that you had no right to make such a post and affect them and their world in that way. This is this it, it requires no further discussion because I think it's easy to see the absurdity on its face. You know, that's the idea about our political system. 
since we are affected by the decisions made by mayors and senators and governors and presidents, well, we participate in their decisions by having the authority to hire and fire them, to vote for them or to vote against them. At least we have some participation in the decisions. But it is not that way in capitalist enterprises. In those... Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> here's the typical story. A tiny group of people at the top, the owner, the management that the owner chooses, or in a modern corporation, the major shareholders, usually a dozen or so institutions or people who decide who is on the board of directors, that's usually 15 or 20 people, and they make all the key decisions. They decide what to produce, how and where, and what to do with the products of the labor of all the people. And what about all the people who work in an enterprise? They have no participation at all. They you want this or do you want me to? <laughs> Please start us off. <laughs> so he's he's just flat wrong that every single person at a company has no participation and it's just this sort of enslavement to the tiny major uh, minority of people at the top. Your participation is agreeing voluntarily absent coercion to show up at the office every day. Your participation is agreeing to do a job. Your participation is bringing your skills and your training, knowledge, wisdom, expertise to bear every day at work. Your participation is sitting down at the very contentious bargaining table in the labor market and negotiating your salary, negotiating your benefits, negotiating what work and responsibilities you're going to take on. That is your participation. You do it every day, just as much as every other single person from the bottom to the top of a company does. Now, of course, I'm only defending companies that are not in bed with government here. I'm just going to re I'm going to keep reiterating that because we're not talking about these mega corps that take tons of money from coercive government. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a free, voluntary, what I would call maybe a libertarian or a free market laissez-faire company where everybody is there consensually. You participate in all the decisions that affect you by showing up and continuing to agree to be there. That's the first thing I wanted to say. What do you have to say? So um, if I had to guess, I just want to ask you, and you just take a shot in the dark, uh, what percentage of NBA players do you think get uh, the vast majority of airtime and jersey sales? Oh, well, it's probably a Pareto distribution, so 80-20 or maybe 90-10, so 10% probably? It's probably something microscopic, like, um, you know, w when I was younger, it was like LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Kobe Bryant sold like 95% of the jerseys. Uh, as far as singers go, you have people like Adele and Eminem sell, getting millions of dollars for tours. And the average singer is not only close to uh, n not being that wealthy, they play at bars for free and are sometimes not even able to charge. Uh, as far as podcasters go, it's something ridiculous, like 1% get 95% of the uh, listening audience. Uh, as far as actors go, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, $20 million a movie. The average extra does not get that much. So what he's not appreciating is that this inequality is everywhere. It has nothing to do with the free market. What percentage of politicians get the vast majority of airtime? Well, AOC gets, um, 
way more than I don't even know who the congressmen of Arizona are because they just don't get as much influence. This uh, James Burnham uh, referred to this as the iron law of oligarchy. He said, whatever social changes occur, whatever happens to economic relations, whether property is in private hands or socialized organization, will remain and through organization and oligarchical rule will be perpetuated. So the example he uses is a union. So there's a bunch of workers and they form a union. Only about a third of the union workers show up to the meetings. And 98% of those people are completely silent during the meetings. One or two people are really persuasive speakers and they can rile people up. And so you end up getting 1% of the union making 99% of the decision. This is the iron law of oligarchy that happens all the time when people get together. One of my favorite memes ever is communism is about equality. And there's this giant statue of Chairman Mao because it's like, <laughs> you know how many Chinese people got a statue that big? None. How many, you know, commies are as powerful as Stalin? One out of a billion. So, uh, yes, uh, the inequality argument's completely illegitimate. Yeah, I, the other thing I just wanted to mention was that there there is a vast blind spot. And this makes sense because of the Pareto distribution of people running companies that you were just talking about. There's a vast blind spot amongst at least 90% of the population of what it's like to sit on the other side of the uh, the of the table in an employment um, competition in the in the market for uh, skilled labor, everybody sees it from the uh, employee side, from the laborers side, but not from the hirer side. Let me tell you, I have direct experience in this area. It is visceral. It is cutthroat. It is so difficult to find hire to uh, get them and by hire i mean get them to agree to work with me and then retain the skilled people that you need your companies live and die based on your decisions and your ability to compete in the labor market it's not just this top down emperor hat that you put on and you just you know you said well it's Time to hire someone. So let, you know, f fill the room with a thousand of the worker slaves and, you know, I'll just pick a few of the lucky ones. That is basically the opposite of how it works. You put out advertisements, you pay people to find, uh, to, to find the skilled labor laborers that you need with good resumes, with good track records, because there's, there's some fluff and there's, you know, bad actors out there and people that lie on their resumes and I'm, all of this is to say that as difficult as it is on the laborer side, it is, I'll just say, to be fair, equally as difficult on the hiring side of the table, except that on the hiring side of the table, you have the added pressure of being responsible for the incomes, jobs, health care, retirement plans of hundreds of people instead of just you, you yourself by yourself in and of yourself. Just something to think about. One of my friends said he was so glad when he saved up enough money to start his own business. This way he would never have a boss again. He'd be liberated from having a boss and then started his own company only to find out that every customer was an individual boss and it was way worse than just having one boss. He had to please this one, which was completely contradictory with what this person wanted. Uh, this was a uh, landscaping organization. So just a few things that come to mind, because I think this is really important. If you're trying to divide people and you just say, these people do all the work and, and they get very little. These people do no work and they get a ton. 
That's so divisive because it's not the reality at all. So what business owners and entrepreneurs generally do is come up with an idea of what to sell. That is extremely difficult. <laughs> if, yes. if it's not difficult, just mention all your billion dollar ideas in the comments so I could have them. <laughs> Thank you very much. Raise startup capital, market to customers, find a place to store the good goods, hire good employees, arrange for shipments, risk money, risk and spend time, your most valuable resource on the planet, and all the time you spend making phone calls, networking, trying to arrange payments, etc. So, yeah, I, I mean, th th what else uh, do, do business owners do that uh, the <laughs> status of the world don't uh, d don't appreciate? They, they, they just don't understand the 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 risk and of your entire life. So like you work for maybe 25 years to finally get up enough resources to hire some people to try this idea that you merely think will be the one successful one that will go somewhere in the market and you risk everything. Some people even mortgage and double mortgage their houses to get enough funds to actually try out an idea in the marketplace to hire a few people to get something done. And look, like 95%, given enough time, all companies fail. So there's that. All companies, much like human lives, are destined to end. But even in the short term, even in the 50-year or 100-year span, 95% of companies fail. 95% of people that try and start these things and risk everything fail. They still fail. And uh, it's not this this one-sided, top-down, tiny minority making decisions and lording, lording over everyone. That is... Such a, you said it, but you just said it. It's a, it's meant to divide people, to classify people into groups, to other people so that you can then hate them. This is grifting. This whole ideology, I maybe is, maybe I'm overstating my case to say so, is grifting. It's dividing people, hating people, and then profiting either through social or monetary power from the, the mess that you stir up. That's a pretty big point that a lot of uh, that a lot of these places go out of business. So the idea that they have all the power, so they have all the power and then just choose to go out of business. Uh, I looked up uh, the Fortune 500 companies in 1955, and it said in 1955 and 2016, only 60 of these companies were in the Fortune 500 in both years. So there's even among the biggest companies, there's constant turnover because people have options and there's, you know, other people entering the market, not to mention there would be even fewer because there wouldn't be so many regulatory hurdles stopping small businesses from competing. And if you look at a lot of these Boeing, I know, uh, where, uh, is the, the other ones, well, uh, Pfizer, Oh, sorry. Good. Oh, I was just going to say Raytheon, Lockheed Martin and Boeing are, are on this list and they should not be on that list if it wasn't for the military industrial complex. So again, the, the state not only doesn't create competition, it's the biggest hurdle to competition. In 1989 versus 2021, the 20 largest companies by market cap on planet Earth were not the same. So today the top five are Apple, Saudi Amco, Aramco, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook, and in 1989, it was Industrial Bank of Japan, Sudamoto Bank, Fuji Bank, Exxon Corp, IBM, General Electric. The turnover is constantly happening. And I will say that um, I, I would bet a significant amount of money that uh, any company that defies what I just said 
where they survive for hundreds of years, they're in bed with government. They're they're profiting in some way from the coercion inherent in government in this guy's democracy. They're taking this guy's democracy and they've manipulated it such that they can profit and never go out of business. They become too big to fail. Banks would probably be the best example of the exception to what I was talking about. Exactly. Yeah, uh, th that's all I uh, have to say on that. From deciding what to produce, how to produce, where to produce, and what to do with the profits and the net revenue. That's not a democratic system. But there is a democratic way of organizing. It's not a democratic system. The thing he failed to mention in this video was, so what? So <laughs> exactly. what? Democratic exactly. System. Why is that a problem? In fact, I would say that a democratic system without coercion, I mean, that they, they exist. They exist. And they typically... Uh, they they typically uh, are very hard to kill. They stick around a long time. They're very resilient to market forces and to market changes, but they they also don't scale very well. They can't grow to, to any sizable company. That requires specialization of labor and uh, specialized skill sets. Some people are better than others at some things, like you said earlier, um, and uh, and hierarchy. <gasps> I said the I said the H word. Oh my God. So someone who's been working there for 20 years might have a bigger say than a guy who's its first day. It's his first day on the job. No, that's, that's unequal. Oh, it's anti, anti-democratic. My favorite things on the planet are anti-democratic. They're done through like total hierarchy. I mean, I was just thinking of my favorite shows, my favorite movies, my favorite artists, none of which came about as the result of a large scale vote. The best is when, you know, companies will have like, let's vote. Uh, if you remember, Mountain Dew said, we're going to have everyone vote on what the Mountain Dew name, <laughs> <laughs> on what the Mountain Dew name should be. And it's just funny what people came up with. Long story short, they, of course, abandoned this ridiculous involve everyone idea because just because a lot of people have an idea doesn't mean it's the smartest thing. As, you know, Henry Ford, you know, said in kind of a mean, disrespectful way, if I had asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. I, so so uh, sometimes it's not always uh, best to uh, listen to uh, the masses. Organizing an economy, and it's not capitalism. It's called worker cooperatives, and it's an old idea whose time has come. Here's how it works. All the people who work in an enterprise all of them, one person, one vote. They make the decisions democratically, what to produce, how to produce, where to produce, and what to do with the profits that after all, they've all helped to produce. It would change our economic system. It would democratize not just the enterprises, but the system as a whole. It's long overdue. It's what democracy means when you bring it to the economy which we should have done long ago. This is Richard Wolf for Econominute. <laughs> One of the things that comes to mind is just because um, you're voting, you know, it's the idea that um, an ignorant person gets as much of a say as someone who's really intelligent. I think that's a terrible thing to do. Um, it is, uh, it, it stops you from allowing people to really thrive in areas where they're best. So I went to see Noam Chomsky speak at Arizona State University talking about equality, and he, 
one person spoke 99% of the time, and that was good. Or no, he spoke like 33%, then Glenn Greenwald did, and then Edward Snowden did. He was there on camera. But that's all I wanted to hear. I didn't want to hear what anyone else had to say, just as there is specialization and blatant hierarchy. Three people getting 99% of the airtime is kind of what you'd expect uh, whenever people are free to associate wasn't oppressing us, even though they were perpetuating their ideas, they were uh, engaged in uh, what they would call, you know, uh, using their privilege and their fundamental abilities to uh, be able to perpetuate society the way they want to, their influence. So what? It's people uh, organizing without coercion. Um, and just because you get a vote in something doesn't mean you're going to vote in such a way that improves capital uh, equipment, which improves output, which increases wages, which increases living standards over time. So just because uh, the, the problem in, you know, the year 1300 wasn't that enough people weren't voting, it's because there hadn't been enough capital investment and innovation to increase production. So um, this is just very typical uh, appealing to uh, the idiots. You didn't ask the person sitting next to you at that talk, uh, you demand that the person sitting next to you have equal time on the stage. You didn't demand a vote of all the people in attendance to pick the people that should uh, be the ones on stage talking. Exactly. Exactly. Well, what about something like the cost of information? So uh, like uh, instead of, you know, Burnham just writing this book, if he just had everyone vote on it, it would be so costly. This is what Thaddeus Russell says. He says, democracy is too much dang work. I got to get involved in everything. I got to learn about it in the free market. I just have people specialize. And if and the threat of me disassociating with them is more of an incentive for them to create a good product than me getting a vote once every uh, 10 years. Yeah, it's called rational ignorance. People are rationally ignorant on a lot of things. Like when I chose to learn TIG welding, I had to I had to choose not to spend my time learning uh, this new programming language that I saw pop, pop up, right? So I made a decision about where my resources were going to go. Some might call that a hierarchy. But um, no, I, th I, I guess I just want to repeat kind of some of the things that you've said. People are different. People are different. Some are smart, some are dumb, some are strong, some are weak, some are happy, some are depressed, some are motivated, some are distracted, some are knowledgeable, some are ignorant. And nothing I just said, I don't think anybody would disagree with. So why would you want to have the guy that is dumb, weak, depressed, distracted, and ignorant have their vote on something that affects you be equal to your vote if you are one of the opposite, the people that are well-informed, knowledgeable, motivated, you care, you have, you know, you're bought into it and it matters to you. Why would you want to work? Why would you want to freely associate with other people in that paradigm? Here's another question. Let's say you're one of the people that have saved up your resources, double mortgaged your house, thought you found the idea that you think is going to make it big in the market, and then you're ready to put it all on the line. You're ready to risk it in a venture. Why would you then hire a bunch of people and then give them control over all of the resources that you just worked 25 years of your life to put on the line? When all of those people, all of that that they're putting on the line is a day's work. They can quit tomorrow. Exactly. They that just seems absolutely inane 
it just seems just completely irrational and non-realistic thinking. It's just um, it's class warfare. It goes back to the to the grifting. Well, how do these people explain large companies that have gone out of business? I just looked up um, large companies that went out of business, and I got a Wikipedia list of defunct department stores and defunct. That's a hard word. Uh, retails uh, retailers of the United States. And I was going to show the list and list them off, but it's way too big. Of course, the big ones, Blockbuster, EB Games, Hollywood Video, Most Roundtable Pizza, Sears, the, the Sears Parade. I mean, this is like one of the biggest, a total monopoly. Starbucks is going to be a monopoly. Uh, MySpace, of course, the first social media monopoly that, uh, of, of course, needs regulation. If you remember, Internet Explorer was going to be the, the takeover of the Internet and the thing we need to regulate, and Microsoft's doing away with it this year just because it's not popular enough. Um, they, they act like consumers don't influence outcomes the way voters do when it's just voting with your dollar. What do you think about uh, voluntary worker co-ops like my favorite shop place to shop, Winco Foods in Arizona? Um, have you, have you uh, done any research on how those uh, cooperatives work? Uh, let me just say one more thing before I forget it. And then I'll talk about the co-ops. Um, just, just going back to the guy, the idea that there's a guy out there that's working to save resources, to put it all on the line, to actually be successful and to make a return and to like do, to get somewhere in his life, productively speaking, that right there is a different kind of person. Most yeah. people don't do that. Most people just want to be happy in, in a day job. And that is what makes them happy. Just, just doing the nine to five and then having mornings and evenings and weekends free to just not have a care in the world about anything related to the company. Whereas there's some people, there's a tiny, tiny, tiny hierarchy. Now there's a tiny minority of people that do that. They have the self-discipline and gratification deferral necessary to pool their resources long enough to where they have something substantial enough to, to be able to employ the people that just want a nine to five. So you're to flatten that hierarchy, you're going to kill the incentive of the rare people that have the ability to do that in an attempt to elevate the outcomes of the people that don't want to do that. It's, it's, it's fascism in the name of equality. Um, and so I guess the, the next thing I'd say about the co-ops, the most successful, and I don't know if this is actually a co-op because I haven't done the research, is REI. That's the main co-op. Uh, I don't know if you have it where you are. REI is an outdoor sporting goods co-op store. And, um, they just became incredibly silly with their COVID rules. Even to this day, even when Texas has been open for months now, uh, they have a guy in a booth out front in a shielded booth outside the front of the building with a mask and a face shield. And he like forces you not force. That's a bad word, but he, he makes sure that you are aware that you have to wear a mask in the store and, and if you say, no, no, thanks, he'll let you walk in. But then the manager comes around and basically holds one of those face, face shields out at you. Anyway, so I haven't been there. Long, that's all to say. I just haven't been there recently. But back when I was, the net effect of it was it was a corporation that once a year, uh, if I spent enough money there, I would get a little bit of it back in the form of a, a rebate or what they would call a dividend, but it was just basically a rebate. Like you'd get it, a you know, at your Walmart frequent flyer card, you know, like they'll give you cheaper gas or whatever. Um, that that's kind of the, the most successful example I can think of. 
Yeah, um, I think it's important to say they almost feel like we're stealing something or we're, you know, being tyrannical by opposing this. All we're really talking about is one, there's a lot of costs and benefits to the worker cooperative. It's not just this inherently good thing. And if you want to do it voluntarily, no one has the right to stop you. If someone tries to forcibly stop you, I will, and Patrick, I know for a fact, will happily take your side. If you want to live in a place just because there's no objective value to you have to earn more money, more money is good. Maybe you want more time off. Maybe you want more flexibility in what you wear. The last place I worked, it was a war about the dress code between some of the people and whether what counted as facial hair and at what point was an earring actually a gauge. What If you want to do that, that's totally fine. But what Wolf means here, and he's made this very clear, that the state should step in and forcibly stop people from making voluntary contracts and everything should be a dictatorship of the proletariat worker cooperative. One of the main shortcomings in this is, well, we should be owners and we should be voters. Good. That's what the stock exchange in a free market offers you. But they say, well, no, I want to own my company. A lot of companies offer um uh, what, what would they call it? Profit sharing and, you know, employee buyback options. But one of the best things about a free market is you can own a company that you don't work for so you can diversify. Anyone who does investment tells you the value of diversification. Uh, Warren Buffett said Ben Graham's book that discusses diversification is like the greatest thing ever. So whether you love or hate Warren Buffett, the point is, is don't put all your eggs in one basket. So if I work at, um, you know, uh, the, the uh, Sears, I wouldn't want to also own Sears. I might want some in Verizon and some in, I can't think of a single company, Epson, the printer center, Hewlett Packard, or Barnes & Noble. I, you'd want to diversify, so you wouldn't want to own necessarily the company that you work for. Why do people who can't even see that basic ideal want to control the entire economy? <laughs> Why are most economists not working in the market? Um, yeah. Yeah. Is another question. Uh, I, I had a really good point, but then I got lost in your amazing words and and lost it. So um, yeah, I I, I think um, so. Well, uh, if it comes back to you, please uh, please let me know. I want to get into the words of Stalin. We got a uh, few. Uh, we got a few more minutes here. Um, think about uh, this because. Wolf happily describes himself as a Marxist, so I'm not strawmanning him here by uh, talking about uh, Marxism. So this is from Dialectical and Historical Materialism by Joseph Stalin. He says, this means that the main feature of the capitalist system is a most acute class struggle between the exploiters and the exploited. How do you respond to the idea that capitalism, this is a unique thing where there's the exploiters and the exploited? Uh, there's different definitions of the word exploit, and I've kind of tried to tease this apart before in a in a way that wasn't disingenuous to them and their position. And it's ju it's just it usually exploit just means to fully utilize a resource. Yeah. And if you think of a person as a resource and their labor as a resource, which is a totally reasonable thing to do, uh, when when you are managing your resources, you want to get the most out of them as you possibly can. You want to use them as efficiently as possible. You want to not waste them 
because it's expensive. Why is it expensive? Well, it goes back to that bargaining table that we talked about. Um, but then there's this other version of exploit where people see it as a wholly negative interaction, a wholly one-sided interaction. Like, and, and this may have come from like the environmentalist movement when they talk about the exploitation of Mother Earth and you know the forests that get clear cut. And they're exploiting the forests uh, and exploiting the wood and then Mother Earth's natural resources. Well, when you when you do it in an irresponsible way, that is exploiting it in a bad or inefficient or um, in a negative way. And so I think the word exploit has a bad rap and it's used uh, in, in a way to sort of draw that negativity towards this kind of connotation. Now, another maybe the last thing I'll say is that exploitation is also frequently talked about as if it's non-consensual. And of course we're talking to a Marxist here. So of course he thinks that wage labor is non-consensual in general. I, that's not a straw man. That's just a basic foundational point in the plank in their quote unquote philosophy. Um, it is consensual if there's no threat of force involved. And Mother nature doesn't exist. And this might be hard to explain uh, or hard, hard, hard to understand for some people, but it is just a concept to describe the state of existence. The state of existence includes suffering. It includes struggle. It includes the need to exert effort to, to prolong your existence and your survival in it. That is just describing reality. That description of reality cannot control you, act on you, exploit you, um, coerce you in any way. Uh, so a lot of times there's this reification of mother nature onto the boss at a company and they're like, well, I have to eat and this guy's got the food. So gosh, darn it. He's exploiting me by, by making me come to work every day. If I want to keep eating, look, if he didn't do it, you would have to go do something else. You'd have to go grow some food, hopefully convince an animal to come near you long enough to where you could kill it so that you could eat. Like that's existence. And it, you, uh, yeah. So those are my thoughts. It's incredible. They don't recognize explicit voluntary contracts, but they do recognize the social contract where you have to obey the state and it's okay to cage people for chipping in because they actually benefit like, well, what if I benefit from my employer? Should I be allowed to make an exchange with him? Uh, no, you should be forced to own and forced to get educated on things. Um, and uh, d just so you could have a vote, even if you explicitly don't want a vote. Uh, you made a great point with exploitation because you could just take that and say consumers exploit us all. Uh, consumer Ooh, doesn't, yes. consumer doesn't walk into the store and say, well, 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 I hate the products and services, but I know Patrick Smith works here, so because I care about him. No, it's like, hey, guy who I've never met, do you have a product or service you can give me? Uh, uh, the, 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 this doesn't look exactly how I want it. No, goodbye. They're only using us for our products and services. Employees, they don't go because they love the business owner. They just want the money. So it, this is actually a good thing. You get people uh, to have harmonious uh, uh harmonia to harmonize interests that otherwise would be conflicted. So I want something and you want it. So maybe we might fight over it, but 
if I am constantly exchanging with other people and making these deals that are mutually beneficial, well, then I get money, and in exchange, he gets my labor. And so long as both of us can walk away, then it's not really exploitation, especially the way the state engages in it. So if voluntary, uh, voluntarily taking advantage of someone is bad, well, then customers and employees are also guilty of this, as is everyone on planet Earth. Well, then it, it applies tenfold to politicians to which there is no contract at all. I love that flipping the script on the word exploiting to the to the employee. That's that perfectly illustrates the subjectivity of the grifting nonsense. Like you didn't pay for that office space. You didn't pay for that computer or that cube or that internet connection or that copy machine, fax machine unit. That's not your business idea. That's not your relationships with all the suppliers. That's not your marketing ideas. Like none of that's yours. You just waltz in nine to five with a one hour lunch break, you know, that you usually don't even take, you know, you don't report, you don't clock out for that. You, you still get paid for it or whatever. You just waltz in here and then, you know, half-ass your your job that you really don't care about, waltz out, and then cash that paycheck. Boy, you don't forget to cash that paycheck. Man, you're just exploiting the company and the company's owners. What's what's wrong with you? That's terrible. You're just using me. You don't love me. This is horrible. Yeah. I'm not even loved. So that owner didn't say in, in that. <laughs> Uh, we didn't vote on how you could spend the money. You greedily just said, I'll sp I get my whole paycheck. I'm going to spend some here and spend some stop shopping at this place. One of the main things is that uh, I think uh, the uh, only accurate uh, system is uh, original appropriation, voluntary contract, voluntary exchange, anarcho-capitalism. So uh, I think I think we really have a solid foundation there with the work of Hans Hoppe and, and just uh, everyone else. So a, a follow-up to this is how do we make status bear the cost of having a bad idea? So they can if you're a farmer who thinks dancing will grow food instead of planting seeds you're going to bear the cost and you'll be able to see immediately but if you're just a socialist who has no problem cheering for hugo chavez like sean penn did and noam chomsky and michael moore they didn't bear the cost uh, of anything how do we make socialists status conservative, minarchists, how do we make these people bear the cost of their bad ideas to create a disincentive for them to believe in them and advocate them? The, hmm. There's only two ways. There's the violent way and the nonviolent way. The violent way is. Let's, is, let's is, just talk about some nonviolent ways, please. <laughs> well, I, I just mean resisting the taxation yeah. that funds them, right? That's the, I mean, self-defense. That's, yeah. that's the violent way. The nonviolent way would be to go galt, like it, you stop letting the looters have access to your productivity. Like yeah. if you're one of the people that is productive, find ways to to stop letting looters in your life. Don't. Also, there's tons of social um, uh, answers to this question. Don't associate with people that are looters. I I, I use the looter the term looter very pejoratively, like Ayn Rand did. Like, th these are these are disgusting people that are leeches. They just live off the 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 effort and the productivity of of the uh, engines of the world, so to speak. Don't associate with them. Don't uh, don't um, allow them in your community, your circles of friends. Like there's there's power in social ostracization, is what I'm trying to say. Like uh, in, in the same way that the left is so good at um, 
uh, hashtag canceling people that they disagree with. Exactly. Well, that's functional because it works. Humans care about being parts of communities and being parts of groups of people around them. And so there's power to modify people's behavior through social um, social behavior, social behavioral changes, I guess is what I'm saying. I was I had a relationship I thought was on the rocks. It was just a friendship. So I, I tried throwing a nuke in there because she was really pissing me off one day. I said, you know, I really think I can only hang out. This is actually a real story. Um, I said, you know, I really think I can only hang out with you if you pay me what you believe is the mandatory living wage of $15 an hour because it's so much work to spend time around you. And here she is thinking I'm joking. And I said, no. It is literal work, so I just need a living wage unless you don't want me to be alive and you are stopping me from engaging in my right to have a living wage. You really have to hold their feet to the fire. Trust me, they will do it to us at any point they get. I had a little sneaky progressive psycho really pull this on me. She goes, well, um, technically what you're engaged in is a violation of the voluntary contract you have with this owner. And it was so trivial. Imagine, you know, someone says you you can't think bad thoughts when you're in this church and you think a bad thought or something. I don't want to get into exactly what it is, but it was using a 3D printer. So uh, she was so ready to use my own ideology against me when it barely applied, only technically, that I think we need to start literally putting it in their face. What was the other one I had? Oh, to, to just really say, like, like with the passion and vitriol that they will call us racist for no reason with, we should literally say, you never got our vote to make that video. You never got our collective permission to make that sign and to have this opinion. Um, it, or, you know, uh, Molyneux's great against me argument. So you want to put me in a cage for not chipping in for the welfare state or the warfare state. And if I resist, you'll have me killed in front of my daughter, of course, right? That That's what you advocate. I just want to make sure we're on the same page with what our relationship really is. So, yeah. I mean, th those are uh, things. Anything else come to mind as far as peaceful mechanisms to make statists bear the cost of their bad ideas? Immoral the, ideas, not just bad. The, the only thing I would add is just on the end of that, just a healthy heaping load of just disgust at the person. Like that is just like I, it, it, I, 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 I'm just so disgusted by people that think it's okay to use threats to get what they want. I'm just so disgusted by people that think they can point guns at people to rob them in the street. And you don't realize it, whoever you are, but you're doing that exact same thing. That is disgusting, violent, thug behavior. Stop it. I don't want to know you if that's how if that's the type of person you are. That's I mean, that kind of language helps. I think it does. It, it does. Yeah, it's what Ayn Rand called the argument from intimidation. Anything that shows disapproval, not like I'm going to hurt you, intimidation. Anything that shows j just disapproval. God, I can't believe the dementia patient in the White House. That's who you support. Oh my God. Goodbye. I I can't even talk anymore. <laughs> so something like that. A couple more Stalin quotes that I just want to ask your opinion on. The basis of the relations of production under the socialist system, which so far has been established only in the USSR, is the social social ownership of the means of production. Here, there are no longer exploiters and exploited. The goods produced are distributed according to labor performed on the principle, he who does not work, neither shall eat. Well, look at that. Wait, wait, wait. The labor theory of value is... 
you only get it if you worked for it. So in other words, all welfare is illegitimate because they don't work for it. That's liter- that is page 39 of Dialectical and Historical Materialism by Stalin. I mean, that contradicts... I'm, I'm a little bit mind-blown right now. I've never heard that quote before. That, that's a contradiction of so much. Wow. Yeah, and, and I promise I've read the whole thing. I'm not taking it out of context. Um, so, yeah, but, but that's, of course, how you justify the gulags and forced labor. Well, you, you have to, or, or you can't eat. Anyone who doesn't pay their fair share in taxes, it, you know, et cetera. You could just take uh, the, the same logic there. Yeah, but so so if you have to work either way, then where's the exploitation in a voluntary company, a wage labor job? Like, you're you're still working and not eating if you don't. So that that just eliminates that as an option for exploitation because in both locations you're working, um, and if you don't work in either location, you will not eat. There's there's something about the mindset of really caring about incentives. So if they'll say, oh, the business owner is out for profit, but uh, the state does it for the greater good. So even before you've even cared about, you know, whether it's moral and uh, the, the benefits reaped, we already have the good people, the state doing it for everyone, very caring for the collective and then greedy, selfish individualists. Even though the amazing thing is that everyone seeking their individual interests while working voluntarily ends up complementing each other. So the only way you can earn a lot of money is by pleasing a large number of consumers. Yeah. And I, I think a good bookend for the discussion is just to remind people that communes can exist in a capitalist society because anarcho-capitalists refuse to control people. However, in a narco in a communist society in a marxist society capitalists cannot exist because the marxists will coerce them out of their property if they use it in a way they don't like so in terms of which is more moral well how about the one that respects consent i think that is i think that's a good maybe final thing for me to say on it excellent Patrick Smith of Disenthrall, thank you so much for your time, and thanks to everyone for watching Keith Knight, Don't Tread on Anyone, and the Libertarian Institute.